Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Happy Friday. It's your Friday edition of the Open Mic Podcast. What a long week it has been, but we have made it. Thanks for listening and supporting the show. We have a fantastic episode lined up for you today. Elizabeth Bowen is with us. She currently can be seen on Sci-Fi's Resident Alien as Deputy Liv Baker. We had a fun conversation about their show, her start as an actor, waiting tables, and just a whole list of different things. Yeah, she was the best, and this is the first of a few episodes where we're going to be talking to the cast members of this fantastic show. Again, if you haven't seen Resident Alien, it can currently be streamed on sci-fi, on demand, whatever your favorite streaming platform is. Check it out. Elizabeth Bowen is the bomb, and I think you're going to really like this interview. Thanks again for stopping by. You have a fantastic weekend, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Prepare to be astonished with Brett Allen. Dude, we are so gonna party. A pop culture podcast. <gasps> oh! At the Open Mic, no topic is off limits. Great Odin's Raven. Join in weekly as Brett interviews your favorite celebrities from film, television, sports, music, and much more. Plus, you never know who will stop by. The mystic portal awaits. Now here is your host, Brett Allen. We are chatting. If you're just now tuning in to the podcast, we're talking to Elizabeth Bowen, and she can currently be seen on the TV series Resident Alien. She plays Deputy Liv Baker. What a fun role this is. What a fun show. And you were also part of another show, Upload, on Amazon Prime, which we had Allegra Edwards on. So there's that connection. So you've been a part of a lot of great projects. But as I mentioned, you play Deputy Liv Baker on this opposite of just a phenomenal surrounding cast. I mean, good Lord, Alan Tudyk. I mean, just huge. It has to be an absolute blast for you, Elizabeth, to be a part of this ensemble in this great show oh heck yeah it sure is I can't even believe I still can't believe it and it's been two and a half years pretty much since I knew I was going to be part of it or whatever but yeah the cast is phenomenal yeah so you've been working on this for a long time then this is not just something can we talk about that a little bit because I know sometimes when an actor finds out about a show. Sometimes it can be a quick process. You know, you get cast and then you start filming. But this has taken a long time, it seems. I'm kind of curious about that as far as, you know, what that process has been for you from when you got presented with it to when you actually were cast as your character on the show. I, I was trying to remember the other day if I auditioned for this. It was either June or July of 2018. Okay. And then uh, by the time I actually got a chance to meet um, David Dobkin, who directed the pilot, um, and Chris Sheridan, who's the showrunner of Resident Alien, it was probably August, sort of middle of August. So we actually started shooting the pilot in uh, at the beginning of October 2018. Oh, wow. So it's been in the works for a while. Has it just been because of the lockdown and things that it's taken you a while to get it going? Or is it just one of those shows that requires a lot of attention to really get it off the ground and out to the public for when we see it? Because it just started airing for us 
like in the last couple of months? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, there's so many steps to the process. Yes, we were affected by the pandemic. Um, but from the time we shot the pilot to the time we found out we were picked up for a full season was that was October to February. So we found out at the end of February, 2019. Wow. So once you find out you're picked up, then you have to allow time, you know, for the writer's room and, 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 you know, all sorts of pre-production things. So we, um, we did not get going shooting the rest of the first season until November, 2019. Wow. So this wasn't something like some shows that get picked up and go straight to series. This was, we're putting a show together. It's a pilot. And then we're going to see, which network picks it up. And for people listening, you know, we watch all these fun shows, but it's not always like bibbity bobbity boo, so to speak, where you do it and it gets picked right up. There's a 12 series order and you start filming. It's a great show and it's based on a comic book or a graphic novel of the likes. And so there's that responsibility as well, because you want to get the source material correct and, you know, there's going to be fans out there on the blog sites when they see the episode. You're laughing, uh, who always have something to say. But I mean, there's obviously subtext to the story and a lot more underlying themes, and we can maybe talk about that. But let's talk about your character. You guys, you and your co-star, his name escapes me at the moment, who you play opposite with. You're the sheriffs of this little town. And my God, it's just so funny. And when I saw this, I was like, I have to talk to her because she's the best. Let's let's talk about your character and what we know so far and and how she plays into this larger storyline of of the show. Deputy Liv Baker is my character and I um, I am uh, paired against Corey Reynolds, who plays Sheriff, who is amazing. Um, both the character and the actual real life person, Corey. Um, and uh, yeah, they have a very uh, interesting dynamic, as I'm sure you've witnessed, where she's, you know, quite quiet and he's very um, <laughs> confident. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that that right away is is an interesting dynamic to have. You know, we're pretty much total opposites. And yeah, she it's just sort of watching them try and unravel the mystery of this murder, um, all the while dealing with a very, shall we say, eccentric uh, doctor. Yes, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about what goes on down the road, but so it sounds like you guys have a great time on set and the dynamic between the two of you is just so intriguing. I, I find sometimes when you watch shows like this where there's such a large cast and so many people, you just kind of wonder, you know, how everybody's going to get their moment. But I feel like in this show, that's not a concern for the viewer because everybody has their moment. You have your moments. He has his moments. Everybody kind of has their sort of moment as far as how the story goes together and individually, I think some of the funniest moments are when he's doing his little rap in the first episode or two, and you're going along with that. And just 
the the dynamic between you and and everybody is great. Again, it's based on a comic book and a, a graphic novel of sorts. So you guys are kind of following that storyline. Yeah. And you've got your first season. Are there, if you can say, are there any hopes for a second season or are we just going to work through the first few and then kind of see where it takes us from there? Oh, well, I definitely think there are hopes for a second season uh, for all of us because there's still so many stories uh, that we've got to tell. And as you've noticed leading up to where we are, uh, we've just aired uh, the fourth episode. Um, there's a lot to pack in to each episode yes. in terms of plot and uh, character development and, um, you know, using um, the, uh, the graphic novel and, uh, you know, so there's, yeah, there's a lot. So for sure, we would love to... <laughs> We'd love to do as many seasons as we could. So yeah. That we could do this. Yeah. Well, and I wouldn't even call this sci-fi necessarily. It's just there's so much going on within the storyline, the sub storyline. We mentioned a little bit that you're in Canada, which is where the show tapes and films, and you were somewhat affected so by the pandemic. But it's safe to assume that you guys pretty much have everything wrapped at this point, correct? And all the episodes yeah. are in the can. Yeah. So we uh, we had to shut down uh, like pretty much every other production did March 13th of last year for the pandemic. And we had at the time two and a half weeks left. Oh, wow. So we just had some, you know, pickup scenes and some exterior shots. And then we had to shoot the finale. So uh, um, by the time we got around to actually shooting it, that was this this past October. And I believe it took us five weeks uh, or so, uh, five or six weeks to shoot because, you know, with the protocols in place, it uh, it slows things down, uh, slows things down a bit, but we were all safe. So, yeah, well, that's the important thing. And typically to film a show like this, you can do like an episode, maybe two in a week, depending on how things move along right as far as you know filming and stuff and sets but everybody's safe it's good to know that we will get a full season which i think is kind of hit or miss these days with some of these shows because you watch them and you get excited and then all of a sudden it's months before we find out what happens because they're still filming in real time awesome you have been a part of i mentioned this earlier it was one of them, but so many other fun projects just going through your pedigree of performing and, and all the shows that you've done. At what point, kind of diving a little bit deeper into about who you are, at what point did you realize that this was something that you wanted to do full time or that you realized that you it was time to quit a day job if you had one and just go all in and just make this your career completely? I've always known that I've wanted to, to be an actor um, ever since I was a kid. Um, so I would say that, uh, you know, of course, as soon as I started acting, I hoped that I could <laughs> support myself doing it. Of course. But I, it wasn't apparent to me that I would be able to achieve supporting myself acting and quitting uh, my day job until I would say 2014, 2015. 
Okay, so pretty recent then. Yeah. 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 It's, been, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. So you obviously had a day job. Did you have something that you enjoyed doing that you were good at that you loved to do while you were sort of paying the bill, so to speak, to get on your feet as a full-time actor? Yeah, I've, I have done so many different jobs. I, I don't know how good of, uh, of a server I was, but (laughs) I did work at, you know, several different restaurants and, uh, a bar or two. And, um, I had a great time meeting people and joking around. Um, but I might not have been great about refilling their water glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, so there's, I, I thought I was good at, at being a server. I don't know that others would agree. Um, I also did some really interesting work over the course of the years, um, being a standardized patient. Oh, wow. That's, I've never heard that one before. I like that. Tell me more about that. So um, I think, I think there was a character in Seinfeld who tried it or, or, or did it. Was it Kramer? Kramer. Um, yes. And he got really sick doing it. <laughs> yeah. So basically what it is, is you're, you're, um, you, you're given this scenario. Um, you maybe have like a couple of, of kind of meetings with, uh, the people who are running this program to sort of go over, what your, um, what your symptoms are and, um, the things you cannot reveal and the things you can reveal. And then, um, you are in the room during either sort of, uh, you know, second year, third year, fourth year medical students, um, and you're being a fake patient basically, uh, or you're there when they're, uh, going through their medical licensing exams. So um, you have to pretend to be this patient with this issue. And it was really interesting because there were some candidates who were really like really, really great bedside manner and very intelligent and um, really made you feel uh, secure. And I'd say on a couple of occasions, um, I was given a completely wrong diagnosis, which basically I would, uh, my, this, this, this fake patient would have died from these symptoms if I'd followed the protocols that some of these <laughs> candidates had suggested. But yeah, it was really interesting to it, it also to see doctors or, or people, you know, wanting to become doctors in a different light because they're, they're learning uh, just like everyone else is. So they, you know, you have to start somewhere. <laughs> That's funny. And it's probably easy money too, right? You know, they pay you. And interestingly, as I'm thinking about this while you're talking, probably good practice as an actor too, like being able to bring emotion to a situation and really make choices, I guess, whether they're chosen for you or not, so to speak, of what it is you may or may not have. I've heard so many actor stories, but that one takes the cake. I love it. Like being a standardized patient, uh, in medical testing for students looking to, to get their licensing and stuff. And I imagine, like you said, you probably met a lot of interesting people too. I would think, were there other, were were there other people there that wanted to be actors as well? Was that kind of like the vibe at that time when you were getting started? Did you, do you remember that at all? Or was it just 
a group of people lumped together and you're just all doing this for whatever uh, various reasons? I would say at least, at least with the people that I met, um, all the times that I did it, it really was a real mixture. There were some, um, there were some, uh, actors who were just starting out. There were, uh, some actors who, you know, had been, um, acting for a long time and, and were just kind of doing this on the side. There were people who worked in completely different fields who wanted to do this. They thought it was sort of an interesting thing to do. And, you know, just something different from their regular job. So it, it, it was fascinating that it wasn't just all a group of actors trying to make some money. Was <laughs> yeah. That's great. And I, I mean, it's so crazy to think, you know, that as you're moving this career along and to pursue the dream, the sacrifice that it takes to get there. And I've heard stories where some of these people have been in great films, Oscar nominated films, And like, they're still booking appointments at the yoga studio. So did you have any moments where people would come up to you and recognize you from things that you had done or say, I've seen you on television while you're like still, you know, serving drinks or water at the (laughs) restaurant and and, and spot you? That's great. I'm just trying to think if anyone ever when I, yeah, I don't think I was ever recognized. I, I, you know, that would have been cool. If I had, I think the, the sort of the only thing that I was always sort of freaked out by is when I saw someone um, that I'd gone to high school with and I hadn't okay. seen them in a long time. And I'd be like, so, yeah, I'm like, I'm happy to work here, but also it's because I'm an actor. And you know what I mean? Because uh, <laughs> I went to school, I think, with a lot of people who ended up being like aeronautical engineers and doctors and lawyers and things. So, yeah, but I don't know that I was ever recognized. Uh, I don't think anyone had seen, um, you know, my nurse number two character or, <laughs> or what have you by then. But how fun it is to share stories like that at like reunions and stuff, you know, because obviously it's paid off quite well for you because you're a part of this fantastic show. Were friends and family supportive of you, supportive of you when you kind of decided to venture out and you had that conversation of, I'm not going to do this, but I'm going to go pursue acting. Everyone was pretty much supportive. I know I was told uh, a friend of my parents um, used to be a playwright. And I remember when my parents told him that I wanted to, you know, go to acting school or pursue acting, that he was like, oh, this is a very, very hard profession. Is she sure she wants to do it? But my parents... They just wanted me to be sure that this was what I wanted to do, but they were actually very supportive of of me, which I always really appreciated because I sort of went off in quite a different direction from uh, their careers. So what did they do? Were they factory workers, computer workers? Did they hard, hard blue collar workers? I imagine, you know, like most. Um, Actually, uh, my my mom is is still is a writer. Okay. Uh, she writes uh, historical nonfiction. Oh, wow. And my dad is a retired doctor and um, also a writer. Wow. So a creative arts family, so to speak. Yeah. Creative arts. But, you know, for years and years and years, my dad was just a doctor. Uh, so much more scientifically minded. Um, so I don't think he understood how I had problems with chemistry and <laughs> algebra. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, but yes, they were very supportive. So I'm, I, I hear that's not always the case. So I was very appreciative of that. Yeah. You know, it's a 50, 50 wash sometimes, you know, if you grow up in an immigrant family and you decide you're going to go be a stand-up comedian and they go, well, how are you going to pay your bills? You know, telling jokes. And then now they have amazing skyrocketed careers and they buy their parents a house or whatever the case might be, or just they can see their child or children on television or you have kids that grow up in the business, right? And that's just all they know. You know, you have somebody, you know, George Clooney bringing muffins to the house. You know, it's like you get it. So it sounds like you've just had a really long career and you set yourself up for longevity because you do a lot of different things. We kind of alluded to this a little bit. You had people telling you, you know, it's hard. There's a lot of rejection. How do you mitigate all of that when you go out for something because essentially for our listeners it's like going out on a job interview that you may not ever hear if you got the job or not yeah it's interesting it's definitely i know for me it was a skill that i had to acquire in terms of dealing with the rejection sure. because when i when i first started out if I didn't get something, I would just think, oh, what did I do wrong? And it, here's the thing. I could have been doing stuff wrong. Who knows? But once I, you know, had been in this business for uh, a number of years, I started to really be able to compartmentalize in terms of, you know what? I know that I worked hard on this, that I went in the room and I did a good job. And it's not personal. It's, it's the, I'm not what they're looking for or I'm not right for the part. Um, but that took quite a number of years for me to, to get there. So that's how I began to deal with rejection. And you know what, still to this day, if you're sort of shortlisted for something, or you find that, uh, you know, you've gone to network for something like to, to get network approval, and then you, you still don't get the part that still stings for sure. But yeah, you have to kind of, um, you have to kind of find what works for you in terms of dealing with the rejection um, and sort of be a bit tougher that way, but still remain vulnerable so that you can act. Yeah, no, I get it. And I think that's where some of the challenges can be and why the success rate is so minimal as far as people who actually make it versus the hundreds or thousands that go to Hollywood monthly Imagine like having to start now. Somebody was saying this to me the other day. You want to go to Hollywood and or LA or wherever, and then you're like in the middle of a pandemic. And it's like, crap, what do I do? You know, Matt Walsh, who was McClintock on Veep, was telling me, he goes, if I had to do it today, I don't know that I would make it because of the, the avenues that people take to get it now. There has to be more of a clear path, but also you come to Hollywood or LA and then a pandemic hits. It's like, you know, you hear all these stories of these celebrities, like having to move back home because they can't afford to pay their bills right now, you know, because a lot of people are working, but a lot of people aren't working, you know, and man, what a wild ride it's been for you. I would think. Oh, I mean it, you know, obviously the, this is something we've never gone through something collectively um, you know, where it has literally affected the entire globe um, ever in our lifetime. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure there are still a few people around from Spanish flu times, 
but not many. And uh, yeah, no, this was, this affected everything on such a grand scale. Obviously it still is. And I really wondered, as I'm sure lots of people did, especially in this industry, I could not wrap my head around how we would ever be able to um, get things back up and running and keep people safe. And thank goodness, uh, you know, people put their heads together and, um, and we're very strategic about how to get the industry up and running again, because uh, otherwise, you know, and, and people have been very affected by it. I felt very fortunate that I just finished shooting, you know, four months of the show when we shut down. So I knew I would, you know, be okay for the next year because we had just done all that work. But yeah, it's, it's mind blowing to, to think of, of how many people have had to scramble and try and figure out how they can support themselves. Uh, you know, and it's affected so many different industries as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is that for an actor, there's not, you know, necessarily federal aid or unemployment that you can apply for, you know, when you start having to do all these, the SAG, you know, fortunately came together and was able to help a lot of people. Well, I think you're the best, this show, Resident Alien on Sci-Fi Network. You have to check it out. All the episodes are currently streaming. One last question. You're done filming for now. You're at home. We mentioned in emails that she was, had neighbors getting pipes drilled on and water <laughs> yes. issues. Can so you, can you real, hear it? I can't. So that's okay. good. Now that you mentioned it, I'm going to be listening for it. I completely <laughs> forgot about it, to be honest. What are you doing to pass the time? Are you binge watching anything or are you just kind of getting ready and studying and reading and preparing for the next big thing? Yeah, I'm um, well, I'm taking um, an online course uh, which is good. That's uh, it's really interesting material. And it's also a great way to sort of, I don't know about you, but I feel like my brain has a layer of rust on it yes. uh, from this, this past year. And I think we're, we've all been in a bit of a fog. Um, but I, I love to read and I love, um, I only do this in the privacy of my own uh, living room, but I love to dance. <laughs> Nice. And uh, right. Uh, so, yeah, I've just been trying to keep busy and stay healthy and uh, not lose my marbles, really. What yeah. about you? Yeah, well, I work from home, so I'm fortunate. And, you know, it's just it's been great. I've been able to spend a lot more time with my son than I normally would have. And we're homeschooling and things like that. So, you know, it's been interesting just watching all of this happen. And we're we're a year into it now, literally, and we're still here. I think a lot of people, including myself, thought, well, this is only going to last a few months or a few weeks. And I mean, we were at Six Flags here in the Bay Area and just having a blast and heard all these inklings mm-hmm. of things happening. And now here we are. I don't leave my house to do anything. I can do my interviews luckily with Zoom and it's all good. So I'm just thankful that you and your industry has been able to get back to work and you can do things safely. And we, because we love television and we like to binge things and we're in this golden age, I think, where 
We have great shows like Resident Alien and just other things. If people are curious about what some past projects are that I've done, they can go to IMDb and uh, and look up if you know if there's anything there that they're interested in checking out. Um, or, you know, I put up at least quite a bit of stuff about uh, different shows I'm involved with up on Instagram. Um, or, yeah, I'm trying to Twitter. I, uh, very, All of very, it. very into the Twitter. Yes. <laughs> and of course, upload on Amazon Prime. If you haven't seen that, you're a part of that show, which was fantastic. But most importantly, Resident Alien on Sci-Fi. Do not miss this show. You will not regret it. Elizabeth, thank you for being with me today. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much, Brett. It was great to talk to you. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.